Hey parents, man, we're so excited to have another one of these sermon discussion videos. My name is Nathan Sell. I'm the middle school pastor here at Journey. Uh, I have two incredible guests with me today. I'll let them introduce themselves here in a few moments as we kick off our conversation. But as we have a, a discussion today, what we really want to do is we want to unpack uh, the latest sermon series that we're just wrapping up at midweek. Over the last five or six weeks, we've been walking through a series called This Is Our Story. And the whole purpose and goal of this series was to, to look at some really prominent uh, Old Testament stories and see how they're still relevant and applicable to our lives today, especially uh, in the lives of our students. You know, I think one of the problems uh, today is that we've written off the Old Testament as unrelatable, uh, as a, a part of the Bible that's just a bunch of cool stories that don't apply to us. But I think when we do that, we really miss the heart of what the Bible has to offer. And so we've been walking through this with your students. We've looked at stories like Abraham and how patience uh, leads to the promises of God being shown in our life and how our patience with God can ultimately reveal our purpose. We've looked at the story of Moses and how God is a God of second chances. We looked at the story of Jonah and how we can bless others through our obedience. Uh, we looked at the story of Noah, how we're called to be obedient to God by being set apart. Uh, and then we've wrapped up our, our series by looking at the story of Daniel and how we are called to be obedient even when we may be uncomfortable with what God has called us to do. Uh, and so today, uh, we just want to start out, part one here, uh, just walking through some of these stories, how they've been uh, applicable to our lives and how they've impacted us. And hopefully you can see how they're still relatable, maybe to your life as a parent, but also relatable to your student's life as well. So Justin, Ashton, let's kick this off. Uh, Justin, let's start with you. Uh, may you just introduce yourself for a moment, and then let's jump right in with one of those Old Testament stories that you feel impacted your life. Yeah, my name is Justin Terry. Recently joined the Journey team, and uh, love getting to work with you guys. Uh, I'm one of the associate pastors here at Journey. Um, Nathan, I really appreciate you doing this, and I'm sure many of our parents uh, of students very much appreciate this yeah. as well. Um, my favorite story in the Bible is Jonah. And uh, I didn't go, start going to church till I was in the seventh grade. Um, so I didn't grow up with a bunch of the historical Bible stories and that kind of stuff. And then the few stories that, that I had heard about, um, i.e. Jonah, yeah. I just was like, okay, cool. This guy got swallowed by sure. a huge whale. I mean, which is pretty cool. Cool story. Yeah, but there's, Crazy story. <laughs> there's a little bit more to it than that. <laughs> well, I got to college. Um, I really started reading Jonah and actually yeah. paying attention to it. And in four short chapters... It is an incredible book about so yeah. many different things, and, and I'll just name a couple, you know, to for time. But um, one of my favorite reasons that I love the book of Jonah is because, in my opinion, you're able to see the heartbeat of God mm -hmm. in the book of Jonah, and it's not just one facet, you know. Yeah. It's 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 across the board. You see his compassion for people um, as Jonah is called to go reach the Ninevites, and these people yeah. are incredibly evil, ruthless. right? They're ruthless. They're rich. Uh, it's a huge town, huge city. They worship other gods. They're just mean. Yeah. But jo but God is like, no, Jonah, I'm, I'm calling you, one of my prophets, to go and speak truth to these people. And so you get to see the heart of God. Like even the, the, the worst of the worst offenders, mm -hmm. if you will, you see God's compassion. You see his desire to bring them back to himself, his yeah. creation back to himself. So that's, that's amazing. 
But there's also a couple other things too that I think are incredibly important. And Jonah being a preacher, being somebody who has a faith in God, um, got a little grumpy, mm. right? And so instead of saying, yes, God, I'm gonna accept this mission that you've given me, instead he gets, he gets grumpy, he tries to run from God, so that's fun, right? I mean, especially on the outside looking in, just watching all the mayhem that happens because of his disobedience. Yeah. And, he, and he, he also, you know, all of our decisions, good or bad, have consequences, but when Jonah decides to say no and go in his own direction, we know the story, this great wind comes up, and yeah. I think about hurricanes, et cetera, but these arguably innocent sailors are radically affected by Jonah's disobedience. And I remember one part in Jonah chapter one, specifically, they wake him up because Jonah's passed out at the bottom of the ship, yeah. how he's asleep in, the, in, in a category five or 10 in God's terms, maybe. But um, they wake him up and he's having this conversation. He tells him he's, you know, a Hebrew. But in verse 10 of chapter one, they say, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And other translations say, why have you done this? And, the, and the, the thought that came to my mind when I first read that was, this is a man that claims to know the God, and he's running. Mm. And these sailors are so desperate, they're throwing everything they can off the ship, and they begin to pray just to anything, you know, yeah. that'll help them in the situation. But even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, these men try to save his life. But then after Jonah goes into the water, these men become followers of God. So yep. you see, that's just chapter one, you know, but it's interesting to me, our mentality oftentimes as Christ followers, how we know the great commission, we know about the gospel, yeah. we have a heart, most of us for reaching people that desperately need the hope of Jesus in their life. But sometimes there are filters that we put up. Sometimes there are barriers we put up and sometimes we are judge, jury and executioner. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you know what? I know they need Jesus, but because of how yeah. I've been wronged or because of what they've done to others, I'm not gonna be the vessel. Right, we have that line that we're almost willing to walk up to God. I'll follow you. I'll share your word. I'll share your truth, your gospel. Unless it means, like for journeys, unless you, you want me to go to the, the Ninevites. For us, you know, for our students at school, right? It's, hey, I will... I will be kind, I'll love others, unless you want me to go be nice to the person who's gossiping about me or talking behind my back or who has ruined my friendship, Right. you know? Right, and then you get into chapter two and he's falling to the bottom of the ocean, which to me is the scariest environment imaginable. Let's just, <laughs> there's that. And sure, he got swallowed by a fish, there's that, all right? But in that, he, he begins to pray and he begins to confess and he begins to repent of his disobedience. Yeah. And so, yes, you see God's compassion in his heart for the lost. Mm. You see his, the way he is always moving his people around to reach others, i.e. asking Jonah to go reach the Ninevites. But then he gives Jonah a second chance. Mm. And there's just something incredibly powerful in that. We all have had second chances or we're in need of a second chance or a hundred, like yeah. a thousand. Um, but you just get to see all of these different dynamics. And of course, in chapter three, he actually goes and he speaks five words. It's like the shortest sermon in the Bible. Repent. Right. <laughs> and these people do it. So you see the power of God being unleashed in somebody's life, yeah. in his obedience, in his brokenness, even against his will at one point, and this entire mm. nation comes and follows God. So you just get to see this incredibly dynamic book. It's so much bigger than a fish swallowing a man. Yeah. yeah it's so good. I think... 
we hear the story of this man being swallowed by a fish, and it's not even applicable to our lives. I haven't heard of anybody getting swallowed by a fish recently. I don't think that will come in the future, but when you go back to what you're saying, Justin, like it's, it's a story of disobedience. Yeah. Have we been disobedient? Yes, 100%. probably many times. Like there's, that is what I love about the Old Testament. It paints a picture of one, you can find heart characteristics you relate mm-hmm. to. Disobedience is huge. But two, you, you learn who Jesus is, who God is, his plan for humanity. And he didn't let him just stay in the fish, die in the fish. Like he followed him. He convicted his heart. Mm-hmm. He went after him. That's where you, I think that's our job, parents, is to teach these middle schoolers who God is. What can we learn from the Old Testament that encourages these students to hold on to the truths about God? Yeah, they're probably not going to be swallowed up by a fish walking down the hallways of their school, but there will be a time that they're disobedient. There probably already has been a time. What can we teach them about who God is, how much he cares and loves them and is willing to do whatever it takes to, mm. to keep that relationship? Yeah, I, another truth that I think we find in Jonah, and it was one that we, we really honed in on with our students, is this idea that God is a God of mercy mm. and grace, yep. uh, but he's also fair, mm. right? So while he had mercy for Jonah, right, he was also fair. There was a consequence associated with that. And I feel like parents have this tension at home of like, do I show mercy or do I be fair? And a lot of times, like, let's just be honest, some kids can be difficult. And so I I would imagine sometimes it's like, hey, let's just give mercy and maybe not give the consequence because the kid's going to, the student might throw a fit or rebel or whatever that may be. But we see God being a God of mercy and fairness. There's a tension that he manages and balances there. Where I find myself... And where I think a lot of us find ourselves is we want God to be merciful to us, but fair to other people. And, and I, I think that's, that is where Jonah was. He wanted God to be merciful towards him, other people, but fair towards the Ninevites. Yeah, he set up a lawn chair to watch yeah. the fireworks because <laughs> he, he didn't think it would work. Well, he got mad. Yeah, he got mad when God saved him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. To your point, though, that's what we want. We want to see... We want to pick and choose who God saves. Yeah. And often we want to see punishment and judgment for those who have been wrongful to others yeah. or unrighteous to others, and, whatever. And what a, like, what a fitting message for today's culture. Yeah. Right, that we're not, we're not called to have mercy towards the people that we like, that we identify most closely with. I mean, I even think about the message series that we're in right now and the message uh, Scotty gave week two of the surviving in Babylon, you know, like uh, how do we approach people who are different than us with mercy, with grace, with love, with truth though, there still needs to be truth, but we have to remember too that God was merciful to us and he calls us to be merciful towards other people as well. That's right. Ashton, what, if you were to look at the Old Testament, uh, what story do you feel like resonates with you? Yeah. Along with Justin, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. And so at the age of 15, I accepted the Lord and I started reading through scripture. And if we're being honest, the Old Testament is confusing. And so like, first I want to encourage you parents, it's okay to not understand all of it. It's okay to not know all of the details. I'm still learning most of, mm-hmm. most of scripture and how history relates to this. And, um, 
But I was just so encouraged by the story of Abraham. I, I guess I was challenged first because you read this story of so much patience. Him and his wife are just waiting for a kid, waiting and waiting, and then they, they're blessed with a child. And then God says, take your kid to the mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. Yeah, wild. I'm not even a parent, <laughs> and I can't fathom something like that. And of course, scripture, I, I don't know all the details, but what I do know from scripture, Abraham says, okay, and takes his son up to the top of yeah, the so mountain. Early the next morning, yeah, he got up. Like, yeah. To me, I mean, if, yeah, if God is like, take your kid, I'm, okay, give me a, a couple years, a yeah. couple months at least. Can, can we at least talk about this first? And it shows me, one, that Abraham knows Jesus. Yeah. He knows his character. He knows who God is in his life, what, how he's been faithful, faithful enough to bless him, and he's willing. He says, okay, if this is what you ask of me, this is what I'm going to do. I think this story challenges me to have the same obedience. Mm. I don't have a child, but I can imagine the heartache as, as a mother if this is what God calls me. Am I willing to lay whatever he asks me to at his feet and say, yeah. okay, God, I know you've been faithful. I know you want good things for me. I know you want good things for my middle schoolers. I'm going to lay this at your feet because you've told me to. And, and it goes back to what your what this series was all about, obedience. Yeah. And, and obedience. sometimes it's really hard, to your point, to trust God when we can't see the end of the road. We can't see the, the highway that we mm -hmm. want to be in front of us. Instead, it's maybe one step at a time. And there has to be that level of faith and trust. And that God is a big God. God is a great God. And he knows what's best. Right. And he knows mm -hmm. what's better. Mm. Right. You know, and trusting him in that is yeah. one of the most courageous but important things we can do. Yeah, I always wonder if Abraham, did he know that at the end God was going to call him to sacrifice well, something you, else? You know, I think it's really interesting even as you read through the text, though, yeah. because it says we, like, when, he, as they're going to the mountain, his servants start to kind of catch on that, like, uh, there, there's, you're not taking anything to sacrifice right. with you. But Abraham's response to them is, we will go and worship and then we will return to you, right? So even when he's talking to the servants before yeah. Isaac is, Isaac must be the most oblivious yeah. guy in the world at this point. Uh, probably a good thing. Right, yeah. yeah, he'd probably really be freaking out. But he has this sense of like, we will return. Like God will provide, and he reiterates that to Isaac when they're going up the mountain, Isaac finally catches a clue and goes, dad, what are we gonna sacrifice? And he goes, don't worry, God will provide. Yeah. You know, I, I think through through that story, I think something that challenges me and I, something that we challenged our students with is this idea of, do we want the blessings that God gives us or do we want the God behind the blessings? And the reason I think that this is something challenging that comes through this story is when you look at Abraham, he waited years for Isaac. 75 years old when God first promises, gives him the promise waits another 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled. So he's about 100 years old when he finally has a son. Dude's waited a long time, and then God says, hey, go give him back. And, and I just have to think that God is testing Abraham, hey, do you want me, or did you want, just want me for this? And, and I think for our students, you know, we want God, they want God, but they want God to bless them with a starting position on the baseball team 
or athletic ability or musical talents or uh, the ability to express themselves through dance or theater, whatever it is. Students want talents and abilities. And good grades on tests. And good grades on tests, hopefully. We've all been there, hell They should want that if they don't. But I think what I see with students is you could have a student who is wildly gifted athletically. There's no doubt God has gifted them and blessed them with that ability who can dance and sing and act on stage. I mean, we have some wildly gifted students, but that is what takes a higher priority in their life than God. God gave them that gift and that gift has taken a higher seat in their life than God. And we challenge our students or warn them maybe is a better word of, hey, gifts and blessings can become idols. And that's, that's something I, I feel like I constantly have to bring back into balance and focus is, hey, you know what, God, God blesses us, but those blessings are never meant to replace God. I, I fully agree. And another thing that's incredibly interesting that I think about with the story of Abraham is often we think that these steps of faith are one time in our lives, mm. right? Salvation had happened. I know Jesus. I submitted. Yeah. I'm good to go. The truth is, though, this, this story that God is writing in our lives, this, this idea of walking with him and following him is a constant daily pursuit of yep. faithful obedience, you know? And so just like you said, it's like, hey, God blessed Abraham with a son, but then a few years later, it's like, hey, I need you to trust me and I need you to bring him back. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's gonna be times in our lives when, yeah, God's gonna bless us, but there's also gonna be other times of ask. There's gonna be other times of surrender. There's gonna be other times of trust. Yeah. And we need to remember that. It's hard. It's not always fun or easy, but it's a continual thing for the rest of our lives, yeah. not just a one moment in time kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, these are two stories out of the entire Old Testament. And I honestly, like, I've loved this Thriving in Babylon series that we're doing with church because, it's, again, it's another applicable Old Testament story with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. I mean, you, you could go through every story in the Old Testament and see how it's relatable to us today. And and parents, that was the heartbeat behind this series. And I hope that just this simple conversation around two Old Testament stories here kind of sheds light into how these stories are still applicable to our lives today. Thousands of years later, these wild, crazy stories that maybe we just chalked them up to, they're actually really uh, in depth. They carry a lot of depth for our lives, a lot of meaning and challenge for us as believers of how we can follow God. But I, I, I forget, one, uh, one of you hit on it earlier, of it, it ultimately, it points to Jesus, right? It points to our need for God. Like you can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament because the, the Old Testament gives it so much context yeah. as to why we need Jesus, how he worked that through the promises he gave Noah and Moses and Abraham and ultimately David, right? Like all the entire Old Testament, it's like the, the com- nah, I shouldn't say the commercials before the movie, <laughs> but you get what, it's, it's building up, right? To, to the main uh, salvation event where God comes and redeems the whole world. You know, you just, you can't have one without the other. Well, and it constantly highlights, we like, we like God when, when he's doing stuff for us, he's answering yeah. prayers, he's blessing us, but then that, we, we get bored. Yeah. Or we get even more selfish and we kind of drift a little bit or a lot of bit, whatever. And so the Bible's full of story after story, civilization after civilization uh, that has been rescued time and time again yeah. <laughs> by God because yeah. of their uh, refusal to make this a lifelong 
journey. And so it's a reflection. For some, it's encouraging that, hey, well, okay, I'm not alone. Right. But for others, uh, hopefully it's also convicting. It's like, hey, you know what? This isn't a, this isn't a good standard, you know? Yeah. Uh, and But again, to your point, it, it always points back to God is going to take care of it. And he did through yeah. his son Jesus in the Old Testament, points the way, paves the way for the Messiah, the, yeah. the king. Yeah, ultimately it's encouraging because just as he continued to stick with the nation of Israel as they turned their back consistently from him, he stuck with them, redeemed them, and that's the same for me every single day. Right, We all turn our back to God at some point each day because uh, none of us are perfect. We all live lives of sin. But you know, as we turn back to God with repentant hearts, right, he continues to show us that grace and that mercy. Well, parents, uh, we hope this first part has been uh, helpful for you. Uh, we'll be right back here in a few moments. Uh, we'll jump back into part two. Uh, and, and through part two, we'll unpack some of the barriers that we think exist that uh, give people the, the idea or the mindset that the Old Testament is not relevant uh, and we'll unpack more how you can help your student engage uh, more with the Bible, but also specifically the Old Testament.